I'm here for it. You are. I'm here for it. So can I tell you something? Yeah. I want Vanessa J to be a guest so bad. Yes, she definitely needs to be. She's really smart. We'll hook it up. Let's hook that up. So today, hold on. Today, our theme song is David Bowie. Oh my, what? I've had David Bowie stuck in my head all morning. So you thought about this. Wicked history. Wicked history. Where we tell stories that are super gruesome. Okay. And wicked. Yes, right. All right. So. That was good. I couldn't just, come up with something on the fly for that. <laughs> I, You know, I'll think about it prior to starting the recording. And then whatever is in my head just kind of flies away as soon as I'm on here. So it's just like, oi. I and am, don't put me on the spot. I am fighting against my battery life right now. So I thought you had a new phone. I did. It's just that it didn't charge overnight. So by the time I realized it, it was at like 20%. So I had like 30, 35 minutes to try to get as much charge on it as I could. We're at about 44% right now. You're a weird sleeper. You, you like, I could see you unplugging your phone or doing weird things. It was a weird night for me. So, yeah. Okay. But, anywho. So, today's episode is on a subject that has a really long name for something super simple. Anthropodermic bibliography. Bibliopagy. I practiced that and that didn't come out as smooth as all my okay, practices. Okay, okay. Break it down for me. Anthro. Anthro. Anthropro. Anthropodermic. Anthroprodermic. Podermic. Podermic. Bibliopagy. Bibliopagy. Okay, now. Do you have any guesses? Oh, no. what that means? I run on brain dead. I have no idea. It, with the dermic and biblios? Yeah. Any- okay. So, uh, yeah, dermic skin, biblio, uh-huh. I, I have no idea per Book. se. Book? Oh. Oh, bibliotech. Um, skin book. A skin book. We're talking okay. about books made of skin. Human, Shut the front door. The practice of using human skin to bind books. Okay. Anthropodermic bibliopagy. I am intrigued. All right. So our story is going to take place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. In the 1800s. Where, of course, the 1800s were just gory as shit. Like, I guess so. The Victorian times, there was just so much. I feel like we hit this time period so much, and it's just horrifying. So, you're, you're super interested in like old, old things. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we're at the old Blockley, which is in the 1800s. It is an almshouse. It is a workhouse, a charity hospital, and a lunatic asylum all at the same time. So it's kind of like it <laughs> was functioning. So Philadelphia built this charity hospital, and it was kind of a catch-all for the poor and uh, ill. I see. You know, yeah. any, it's kind of a place to sweep people under a rug, if you know what I mean. It is I later. So many horrible things to say about that. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a gruesome place. I don't know if you've ever seen Eastern State Penitentiary, but the guy who designed Eastern State Penitentiary also designed Old Blockley. And Old Blockley was later turned into the Philadelphia General Hospital in 1919, but we're we're predating that. So the 1900s right now. And the Eastern State Penitentiary was built that long ago? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Eastern I State Penitentiary any... is very old. I have not heard any stories about it, but there is a morbid podcast on it that I wanted to listen to. It Love is them a... girls. It's got quite a, a history, but the same person who designed it designed this hospital. Okay, so this becomes a teaching hospital in the 1800s due to the large number of poor, I want to say in quotes, test subjects. So right. we're at a time when, you know, bodies are still hard to come by and medicine is, is growing leaps and bounds in this time. Um, you know, they're discovering all kinds of things every day. So having people to test on and to research definitely is launching the medical field rapidly at this point. But it's still pretty fun. It's still pretty fundamental. Okay. So we've got this hospital that's just filled with mentally um, handicapped poor people who are just, they have every kind of illness. So up until 1860, the public could pay $8 to view the sick and poor having like medical <gasps> procedures done on them. And oh my God. $8 is a lot of money at this time. So for $8, and that's kind of how the, the hospital stayed funded was paying or allowing people, the public to pay to come in and kind of see these patients on display, kind of like animals in a zoo. Okay. That's so ridiculous. Pe the people who were coming in or needed to go to old Blockley, they kind of lived in fear of becoming medical experiments. However, par for the course, some poor had no other options. Okay. It, this place was like a last resort. You didn't want to go there. But you just sometimes did not have any other options. So we've got like, I, I hate to use the word mad people, but, you know, the, the lunatic asylum, you could walk through it and view these people on display for entertainment purposes. Or you could watch medical procedures. And we're talking like lunatic surgeries, surgeries also Got electric shock, shock therapy, therapies oh all, all this stuff so you could view all this stuff so we're in a time where getting bodies is still relatively hard but they're still needed for medical advancement we're past the time when you mean is getting cadavers cadavers yes 
So, okay. but even the live people could still be studied and they knew that if they went there, they run the risk of becoming kind of a teaching patient. Um, so it's just all around, not, not somewhere you want to end up. Okay. So yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Old Blockley is just like the place where the poor and helpless are swept under the rug and they're used for medical advancement. So in walks our heroine of the story, Mary Lynch. So when Mary Lynch falls ill with tuberculosis or the consumption, she went to Old Blockley, but this was as a very last resort. She did, you know, obviously anybody that goes there, that is the last they've, they've expended all other options. This is not somewhere you want to go. So when Mary Lynch went, she was desperate at this point. Admitted on July 15th, 1868 with the consumption and there she was there for about six months, which included being there during an abnormally hot Philadelphia summer. So it just in August of 1868, Philadelphia just had this horrible heat wave. And there's no air conditioning at the time. There's very little refrigeration. So this, this is just a miserable place to be at this time. I'm just painting the picture for y'all. So unlike most patients at the time, Mary did get visitors. Her family and friends would come in an attempt to kind of like lift Mary's spirits. Unfortunately, those people attempting to lift her mood brought her food as gifts. So she, they would come in and they would bring her things like, like ham or bologna sandwiches. Okay. Okay. It's just kind of a way to cheer her up. Um, why, why is this a bad thing? Right. Okay. So let's think about the time. So this is a time after refrigeration was invented, but it's not something that's in everybody's home. And during this abnormally hot time of the year, meat, pork especially, went bad super easily and was a breeding ground for worms and parasites. In walks trichinosis. So we know what trichinosis is, correct? Correct. I'm going to go through it just for people, just in case they're not quite sure what trichinosis is. So it's caused by a parent parasite called trichinella. And this is a foodborne disease that gets passed from animal to person. If the meat isn't properly cooked, it, what happens is it's got little larva that, yeah. So the larva, the larva for trichinosis was discovered in the 1820s in mummies that were being researched. And it wasn't really until 1835 that doctors were given any information on this disease. So when Mary catches trichinosis from these sandwiches, she's she's the very first patient in this hospital to ever have trichinosis so it's still in its infancy and they don't know a whole lot about it at this point it's just been discovered in the last 25 or so 30 years those sandwiches contain the larva of the trichinella and poor mary now has just 
more issues than she can really deal with. So she's got tuberculosis and now we're compounding that with her situation with the, the trichinosis. So she's suffering from things like vomiting, diarrhea, fever, severe abdominal pains. Basically she's dehydrating slowly and painfully on top of already having, you know, her lung issue. On January 16th of 1869, Mary Lynch passes away. Okay. So at the time of her death, Mary only weighed 60 pounds because of the trichinosis. Because Old Blockley was a charity hospital and because Mary died penniless, she was to be laid to rest in an unmarked grave behind the hospital. That was, at least that was the plan. The plan was, okay, just like any other patient, we're going to bury her in the back. But Mary wasn't buried, okay? Where did Mary go? Enter. And why was she going to be in an unmarked grave? Nobody, it's nobody. It's kind of a pauper's grave. So just like that's where they would bury the poor. They don't have the funds to give everybody a, a, a burial. So it's just kind of a place to dispose of the bodies. But in Mary's case, in walks Dr. John Stockton Huff. And John Stockton Huff, Dr. Huff, is only 23 years old. Okay. And he worked for this charity hospital. So Dr. Huff had this like really astute interest in the newly found trichinosis. And he was, I mean, he was kind of obsessed with learning more about it. And I want to insert some eerie music here. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So he decides to autopsy Mary's body, which isn't unheard of, of the doctors desperately needing bodies, but to research what is, uh, what is unusual about this autopsy is that she died of consumption. So it's not like it was something that, they didn't know a whole lot about it's kind of uncommon to waste time and effort autopsying these bodies when you know exactly, you know, what they died of. But because Dr. Huff had this like real big interest in, you know, consumption or not consumption in trichinosis and learning more about it, he did decide to dissect her body. So when Dr. Huff examines Mary's body, he finds over 8 million cysts filled (laughs) with the parasites. Yeah. The trichinella had burrowed into her tissue, causing these small, like, cystic pockets. And it was just gruesome. Like, she was just riddled with these. That is awful. And had Mary not been autopsied, they'd have never known the actual cause of her death. And her body is now vital. I mean, she's the first case in this hospital of ever having trichinosis. So her body does go on to to help other people in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good thing. Right. It would, you know, would be nice if that was the end of the story. Mary's goes on to help people with trichinosis, but let's insert some eerier music. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. The arguably more interesting part is how Dr. Huff flayed Mary's skin. Yeah. Removing it in long strips from her thighs. Okay. Even worse. He put the skin into a chamber pot filled with urine and put it into his basement. 
Okay. So he removes all this skin from Mary's thighs. <laughs> Excuse me. And Puts just it in like her... what freaking foreman? Yeah. So why urine, it... dude? He puts it in the urine and into his basement. So if you know anything about leather tanning, you know that the use of uh, urine has been used for thousands of years. Before, uh, you know, the chemicals that they use now, urine was used in the tanning process of, of leather. So once the urine had preserved Mary's skin, Dr. Huff sent it off to the tannery, okay, to ensure the skin. Hey, Dr. Huff. Yeah, he wanted to, to ensure that Mary's thigh skin, I guess, just, you know, it tur- he, he's getting it turned to leather so that it preserves better. So the urine Huff had placed her skin in is not only preserving it, but it also softened the strips of skin. So what he did with this luxurious, soft human leather, it, this story is about to get wild, Okay. Because he had put it in the urine, the skin softened. So when it was tanned, it was softer than normal. Okay. We're just, we're in a time when leather is pretty tough to work with. Um, it's still rudimentary. But really, Mary's skin is much softer because of the urine bath or whatever. I don't know. So in the 1800s, making the binding of books is typically an arduous process. To bend the leather around the binding of the book required a lot of work. So leather is real stiff and rigid, okay? Basically, it's a pain in the ass. Well, I mean, a pain in the thighs, I guess, okay? so Oh my ma- God, that was such a bad joke. I, I know. <laughs> so to make it soft, to to make the binding around the spine of the book, okay, they would have to soak the skin in things like dog shit. Pardon my French. Dog poop. What? Or pigeon droppings. Because, like, the enzymes in those things would start to break down the grease and blood and decaying biomatter in the skin and make it more pliable. So when you're talking about, like, the book's front and back cover, those can be stiff. But you need that soft leather to make the binding that goes that curves around the back of the book. This poop served a huge process. It made the leather more pliable so that it could be wrapped around the spine of the book. We're just kind of going into a history of tanning right now so that we can kind of understand why the things happened the way they did. So think about this the next time you touch an old book. It's a luxurious leather-bound book that was probably soaked in dog shit. Mmm. Mmm. Leather. So the poo process is known as, or was known as puring. In like Puring. In the Victorian times, yeah, puring. So there were people called pure finders who were essentially just like, they would go around with a bucket looking for dog crap and they would retrieve it and sell it to the tanneries. That was a, that was a job in the Victorian time being a pure finder. Okay. 
So how does this mm. have anything to do with Mary Lynch? In walks- Mary Lynch is about to get turned into a book. <laughs> so Dr. Huff, who's creating books, ironically, about women's reproduction and health, that doctor decided to use, use Mary's thighs to bind three of his favorite medical books. Same doctor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mary's thigh books can still be seen in Philadelphia <sighs> behind glass in the historic library of Philadelphia. So if you ever want to see them, they are on display. Wow. So one of these books that the, Phil- the historic library of Philadelphia has, has an inscription in it. And it's pretty neat. But uh, this is how we know Mary Lynch's story was because of this inscription. So the library gets this book and they read this description and then they start backpedaling and, and looking into the archives and they find Mary Lynch and they learn of her story. So this is the inscription that's in one of the books. The leather with which this book is bound was tanned from the skin of the thighs of Mary L. Tanned in a pot de chamber by J.S.H. at the Philadelphia Hospital, January 1869. Bookbound in Trenton, New Jersey, March 1884. Mary L. was Irish widow, age 28, died January 16, 1869. And it signed John Stockton Huff. April 2nd, 1884. Mm. So you can go and see this book that's been bound in skin. The Historic Library of Philadelphia does not refer to these texts as just books. They, they, they basically, like, they'll call them by name, all right? So when they're bringing out a book, they'll go, like, let's bring out Mary L. Or let's bring out John whatever see so yeah shut up they that have so cool <laughs> they have i don't know i don't know if that's cool or what's neat well it's it's a hard we're going to talk about the morality of this in a little bit but it's so basically mary l is not the only skin book that the historic library of philadelphia has they have like people by name and they treat them with they try to treat them with respect because it's a person it's not just a book you know, they right. do, they do give it the respect, you know, so they treat these books like, like people. So it is much respect as you can for a human skin book on display, but is it ethical to own human skin books? You know, there's skin books out there in circulation that people don't know about. It's, it was not uncommon to use human skin for this binding So there are these books out there, and we're going to discuss some of them, but some people believe these books should be buried, okay? Here's where we're going to kind of talk about the morality of it. So in 2014, the library at Harvard University went to their social media and announced that through peptide testing, a book that they had in their possession was, in fact, made of human skin, so this book, um, it's by a French author named Armand Housey, and the book is called Destiny de la something. Anyways, de l'aime. I'm not French. I don't know. 
so they they find out that through this testing that they have a book bound in human skin and they kind of make a really insensitive post about it they kind of go on to their you know i don't know i don't have the post verbatim but it's something like hey anthropodermic bibliopagy lovers we have a skin book um it, it kind of like they say like hey lovers of human skin books look what we have here and they even make a joke about like lovers of not only skin books but like cannibalism anyway it's like this really insensitive joke that they they use to kind of announce that they've discovered in their collection is a human skin book and harvard was railed railed for it cancer culture just comes in and just destroys harvard over this they didn't like the joke about cannibalism and i mean i guess not everybody enjoys dark humor you know i know i use dark humor when i'm uncomfortable about something so i don't know if it was like a way to discuss a more sensitive topic by using dark humor i i don't know why harvard decided to announce it the way they did but harvard's discovery of this human skin book bound and bound um this human skin bound french book was like basically a cool find okay so the book came into their possession in the 1930s and they'd always kind of suspected it was human skin but to finally get confirmation of that they were very excited about this okay at harvard yes they went about announcing it in a very insensitive way but it's still a pretty cool find until cool find. until princeton's librarian paul needham starts poking his nose into it okay so he was not okay with harvard's joke at all he had he did not like it and of course you know harvard and princeton are like you know those are all rivals you know the ivy league colleges so i don't you know i don't know if ivy really... league rivals right so this killjoy didn't just like the tactless post but he coined the phrase post-mortem <laughs> rape to describe removing the skin from unsuspecting dead folks to bind books so he like he he just he was not having it he did not like it he did not like that this was in ownership by harvard i don't know if he was just jealous i don't know but why was this book bound in this buffalo bill style like why why was this particular book bound in human skin so the author wrote this book after losing his beloved wife he's full of grief and he takes a copy of a book to his friend dr boland who apparently just kind of had some back skin lying around for some reason like he there's no explanation for why he had this skin but he just did so he's like oh my friend is so sad uh i've got this nameless french gal skin so i'm going to use it and bind my friend's book out of it but why did he do this and here's what just blows my mind okay so dr dr boland says that because his he felt his friend's book 
perfectly captures the human soul. What does a human soul need? A skin bag. So he justifies skin using bag. skin to bind his, his friend's book because he said his friend's book so well captures the human spirit and human soul that he's going to give it a skin sack. And I just, I, I've had some really nice gifts from friends before. I have never in my life thought or been given skin. Um, it's not. This is not something that is acceptable now, Ooh. but back then it might have been a little it, bit more acceptable. It might have been because there are, <coughs> excuse me, there are a lot of books out there and we don't know how many books are out there but there's a lot of books out there that are actually i would think a lot skin. yeah so needham the princeton librarian he literally wrote an essay about his rival harvard having this book he was so upset about it he goes and he he's writes so upset this, they had it he writes this huge document it's kind of like this open-ended le- letter to harvard but it's just like page after page after page of just BS. I mean, maybe someone, I'm sure that he had people on his side too, that people are like, oh, that is not ethical to have a human skin book. But we're so far in the past, that's so far from the past that it's like, it's kind of like owning Nazi memorabilia. It's, um, you're not oh, okay. a not, yeah. you're not a Nazi. It's history. It happened. You're giving. I don't. I don't really know how. Yeah. So, anyways, he claims the skin. No right. There's no right opinion. No, honestly. So he claims in this like a thousand-page document that the skin was taken from a female mental patient. Needham also believed that Dr. Bolin was intentional in selecting a woman's skin for the book binding. And said he considers that as an attack on the female corpse. Then turned it into some Freudian bullshit saying that the male skin doesn't fulfill some psychosexual need the way a female does. And I'm just like eye roll city. Like just, I don't know that I believe that it was a woman because of some sort of psychosexual desire to, you know, he's missing his wife or... I just, I don't know that I believe all this bullshit. I feel like it has something to do with the skin type. Well, like that, the fact that this doctor just happened to have this skin from someone, some lady's back, like was the skin intentionally pulled from a female versus a male? I don't know. It was probably opportunistic, but I I guess we'll never really know. So he continues for pages that keeping the skin book at Harvard is the same thing as Sarah Bartman. And I'm going to be doing a story on Sarah Bartman. Yeah. I was going to say what's Sarah Bartman. So this is it. When I read that he compared this to Sarah Bartman, I was purely disgusted. So I I plan on doing a episode on her, but just a quick little lesson, just so that anybody who doesn't know who Sarah Bartman is, um, she's a South. That would be me. (laughs) Yes. She was the South African woman that, she had a really large posterior, a really large booty. Okay. So 
she was toured around kind of, she was held in slavery, but she was toured around in like shown in freak shows. Okay. Over oh. her, her large butt. But after she died, she was such a popular display that they dissected her body. They put it in plaster and they still continued to tour her body. Oh, okay. yeah. It took, I mean, she, so her body was, I'm, like, I'm unagreeable to that. Her body was toured and exploited for 200 years after her death. So it was like wow. this huge thing to get Sarah Bartman finally laid to rest in her homeland and all this stuff. Sarah Bartman was exploited. Just like if you flip through a, a dictionary of exploitation, Sarah Bartman is right there. Okay. So that Needham is, is comparing Sarah Bartman to the skin book and saying that we're like exploiting the dead by continuing to allow these books well, and to here's the stay thing. in circulation. Who knows if the person wasn't like you, you can use me. We don't know because there were people who wanted to be leather bound and, you know, they, they wanted that. And now, of course, you know, you have a right to donate your body however you want, relatively speaking. Um, there are some restrictions to that, but there, some people are like, maybe they wanted to be, but because some of these were poor mental patients, or because the doctors themselves worked in these environments that gave them access to poor, unsuspecting people. It's always assumed that these books are made out of people who didn't know they were going to be turned into it. So Needham then petitions Harvard to remove the skin and bury it. I, I don't know if he's like morally serious or he's just jelly of Harvard having skin books and Princeton does not. I, I don't, I don't really know what Needham's deal is, but it all boils down to consent. It's all, you know, his problem with it was that the book is made of someone's skin that did not consent to being tanned and turned into a book. And I get it. And that's known. That's a known fact. But to be honest, like if you are skin, your moral compass is off already as far as I'm concerned. Now I'm not a doctor. I don't know what it was like to be a doctor in the, uh, the dawn of medical discovery or whatever, but skinning people is never really like a good idea as far as I'm concerned, unless you're using the skin as like a graft or something and these people were not doing that. They were not skinning somebody to use it on a patient later on. It was kind of a keepsake. So morally, I don't think anybody was thinking much about it at the time, if that makes sense. You know, like if a doctor's going to skin somebody to keep the skin, they're probably not thinking about moral, their moral compass is what I'm trying right, to say. Right, right. So has anyone ever consented to being a hardback book? You betcha. So however the majority, like Mary Lynch, died not knowing, there are people in recorded history that have consented to becoming a book. There are books made of people because people were like, yes, when I die, make me a book. I don't know why. 
I don't know. Make me a book. Yeah. It's nice to know, though, that these books are given some respect and they're well cared for. I mean, like the ones that we know of. So go check your bookshelf. If you've got a human skin book, call it by its name. Okay. And you're like, like, okay, let's think about what a burial really is. And a burial is to memorialize somebody, correct? Like you're giving them respect. You're laying them to rest. You're memorializing that person. You've got the headstone that tells you who they were and how they lived and all that stuff. So you're pretty much doing a memorial. Is the book also like the book being treated with respect is also kind of like memorializing them, I guess, in my head. If you're really doing this to, you know, give them respect and care, what happened to Mary is probably better than what she could have asked for being buried in a pauper's grave. Because right now her body is being respected. It's in a very uh, well cared for place. She's, you know, the people who the li head librarian treats her with, you know, a whole lot of respect, calls her Mary L. So really, like, I'm kind of torn. Yeah. On, I'm torn on, like, is it wrong? I, I can't read that baby. I can't read. She's like le drawing letters in the air. Oh. <laughs> I, okay, I'm sorry. Poop. Hold on. I'm almost done, baby. So human skin books are hiding everywhere and maybe closer than you think. If you are like me and you own or <laughs> are around antiques a lot... You know what I was. Oh my god! When I was yes. researching this, I was like, you know, I see books from the 1800s all, all the, the time. time, all the time. And after knowing, like, first of all, the process that it, that the leather goes through just to be made into a book back then, I'm horrified, just horrified by it because you're like, oh, you know, everybody's like, oh, the smell of leather books is just. It's like, dude, <laughs> that book soaked in dog crap. In between. Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, tanning in general is just nasty. Tanning, the tanning process is just disgusting. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It is awful. And it smells There's so horrible. many awful things about it. I, um, I was going to tan rabbit furs mm. from all the dead rabbits um and i think it was just like borax i don't even know it was oh. some chemicals well and, first you have yeah to, you leave it they have to get the the biomaterial off of it like the fat and the you know they have to scrape all that stuff off and they have to use chemicals to do that and before that before the chemicals were there there was natural things like urine and feces those were used in the process of stripping Just all soft. that grease Ugh. and stuff at, you know, cause skin has fat to it. So you have to get all of that out of it and dry it out. I, I, it's just a horrible process. So, you know, once I started researching this and like thinking about it, I'm like, how many books have I touched that spent a lot of time in feces? Like just, 
ew. And then I'm like, have I ever touched a human skin book? I don't know. Maybe I have. Because there's, it's only recently that you can actually tell. There's a, you know, as of 2014, there's a peptide test that you can use to tell if it's actually That's human skin. That's really freaking cool. So it's like, start pulling out your old books, man. If you, you have, have them. I don't have yeah. any old books. Like, does your book have a freckle? Maybe. <sighs> no, stop it. Yeah. Think about it. Well, but they don't look like skin, aren't they? Like painted or anything? Like, no, they look not... like leather. They look like leather. They look like leather. That's what I would. I would think that it looks so much like animal leather, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. You honestly can't between pig and human. There's very little, very little difference. But I'm going to, of course, post pictures of these human skin books. Yeah. And you know, it is very hard to tell. There's a lot of human skin books out there. Hey, Hocus it, Pocus. Hey, yeah. book. Well, and, the, you know, there's Hocus Pocus. There's even the, um, there's the Evil Dead series that has the Necronomicon or whatever. Um, it's the human skin book. But, um, yeah, there's like human skin books out there from like a, uh, people who have been executed oh. you know that was that's pretty commonplace um but to have like a human skin book of you know these patients who were just they weren't criminals they were just patients and they're unknowingly giving up their skin it's just crazy to me it's like there's a book made out of mary lynch's thighs it just it's just crazy Poor Mary Lynch. I don't know if I, I feel bad for Mary Lynch or if I think that she's being memorialized better than she would have if her whole body had been thrown in that pauper's grave. Right. Yeah, so, it's hard. It's hard to know what she would have wanted. Right. I, mean, I don't know that she would have been like, sure, make me a book. Um, cool. That's awesome. But I think that her body is being is still being treated with respect. I love that. I love that it's being treated with respect. I think if, I think if anything, like, even if it would like completely turn her off to think she was a book, the fact that she's being treated with respect, it's like a a blessing. Yeah. It's like the best you could ask for out of this horrible situation. 28 years old, a widow. Right. And dying of tuberculosis. Yeah, and and that, getting trichomonas, trichinosis, trichinosis, trichomonas is an STD. <laughs> They're a fine line I mean, in like, between those two. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I, I I'm torn on it. I think that the idea in my my weird mind, I would love to have a human skin book. Just and I would treat it with respect. It'd be like having a pet. You better talk to it. <laughs> no. Well, it's not just a, a, like, well, I guess it is inanimate. Like, good morning, uh, Mary. And I yeah. would talk to it. I probably would. Honestly, knowing me, I would talk to it. I would talk to it. For I sure. Would, I, yeah, knowing me, I would for sure too. Yeah. But the morality I, issue of it, these books were made a long time ago. I kind of go both ways. Like, part of me is just like, you know, 
they're in a better place. Than where is the rest of Mary? Like, where is her body? Her body is behind the hospital in an unmarked grave. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, great. there was a time when people thought you needed the whole body. And the whole body I think had that to be some people do still have that belief. Well, there are, there are religions that believe, you know, you need the whole body intact. Like, they're, they don't donate their organs because they can't cross over to the afterlife without their whole body being intact. So I can get where at certain times these people could have believed, you know, like. Remember that belief that, um, like, if you had a tattoo, if it, like, cut, like, so say you had a band around your arm, then you would go to heaven without the band down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you cut, like, by getting, God, where the hell did I come up with that then? But, um, but, like, so having your arm covered then you wouldn't have that arm in heaven or something oh i don't know i've never heard of that i've never heard of that well really i'm going without my arm for sure no doubt so are a lot of people (laughs) you know but um but that that is just part of it yes right so i don't know you know it maybe mary believed that if she didn't go whole she didn't go to heaven but I don't know. I, I I think that it's pretty. But we it's don't a, know what Mary believed. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting subject to really wrap your head around because I could go both ways with this. I can go, you know, the pro skin book. I can go, you know, anti skin book. Really, either way, I'm like sitting here looking at a bookshelf, like, who she's. I know how easy, but it, or how hard is it to do that peptide test? I wonder. I don't know, but it makes me want to go around the flea market and look for for old, old books, really old books. And who I has have, who I has have old books old, at the flea market? A lot of people, and I have an old book that was our grandfather's, that was like a first edition, um, William Shakespeare, like really. Yeah, and it's, but I don't think it's leather. I'd have to look uh, at it. I, I think it's like canvas or something, but I don't, I'd have to oh, take a look yeah. at the spine. Because, you know, even the spines in books from back then, I mean, what else do they could really be, use? They might have yeah, put the leather spines under could, it. Right. It's right. Just, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. So I'm going to be going around the flea market, like touching books and like sniffing. Good. You huff, you huff that on in. Um, did, did you soak in pigeon poo? It's very interesting. That's it is very interesting. So that is our story for today. And I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot. And there's a lot of stories of these books, but you know, Mary's story was just really interesting to me because, you know, she she lived a rough life and a very short life. But we're still talking about her today. She lives, she's got a legacy now that she probably never would have had. All because this doctor chose to keep some of her skin. Right. And, meta, you know, in medical science literature, I'm sure that her... Um, Trichinosis. 
was you know documented on and everything like that i don't know if they use people's names in those books, medical study well yeah. no but it, they did at least the doctor did put an inscription in one of the books about yeah. him, about mary and you know it's not like he hid how yeah he, he didn't him. hide what he did which makes me think that it was something that was considered okay yeah and i think probably at a time it it was well you also think about didn't really have rights so you know that's, it, yeah, it just that's was pathetic. a really rough time to be poor I, I mean just not that it's ever easy to be poor but to me like the victorian time seems like a really shitty time to be poor because you would lose your kids you couldn't eat you'd end up in a workhouse I mean, just awfulness, all, all around awfulness to be poor Definitely. in the 17 and 1800s, just bad, bad news. I mean, you look at people who they, I'll have to post a picture of this sometime, but some of these workhouses, like you would pay for a piece of, for just a section of a rope that was tied from one wall to the other, just so that you could lay over it to fall asleep. That's freaking terrible. We're not talking like a hotel room or a cot. We're talking a piece of rope. Like, and you're sharing that rope. All, I mean, there's people sitting down and leaning over it all the way down the rope. That is freaking awful. Just an insane time to be alive. So skin books. I mean, skin. I, I am almost positive that skin books have been going since the beginning of, I don't know, books. But. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't just the 1800s where they made skin books. They've been making skin books forever. I mean, I imagine this was more commonplace prior to the 1800s. Right. I don't know. I just, when I started reading about this story, I was like, holy shit, I have got to do an episode about skin books. Because it, it kind of gives me a queasiness. And if I get a queasiness to something, I know it's messed up. Because I, I want... I want to tell you about something that I just saw for the first time. I'm all about it. Tell me. I know. Okay, so it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. it's, about, it's about the story. Um, so what did they just say? Okay. Paul killed disciples and rewrote the book. Changed my mind. Christianity is actually Pollyanity. Like the, like Paul. Hmm. And, um, oh, someone so, said. So there's people, so there's people who think that he killed the disciples and rewrote history. Look, check this out. Paul killed the disciples when he was Saul, right? Or am right. I missing something? And he said, I'm alluding to the fact that if we kill enough people that knew the teachings of Jesus, we could alter the teachings of Jesus. This sounds like something we need a deep dive. Um, yeah, so I never freaking thought about that ever. I just happened to see it. Um, this is a friend of mine on Facebook, um, who is a really interesting dude. 
very interesting dude. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I would. Hey, we'll do a deep dive. We'll do a, a Bible. We'll deep do a dive. deep dive. Maybe I can invite. Maybe I can invite Tree Bear to um to to do it. Yeah, he, his uh his 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 name Tree Bear, and he was Jesus in his past life. There we go. Let's and he has a him. he has a web a website. What's www.kingtreebear.com. Well, let's see if we he's, can get he's him been to amazing to follow. Yeah, I think. Okay. Oh, I mean, clearly, when we have a podcast about wicked history, we got to bring the Bible into it. And I don't mean bringing the Bible into it to like bash Christians or their beliefs. Don't do that. You um, know what? I will reach out but, to Tree Bear and see if he'd be willing to like just be interviewed by us and tell us about this story that or you know this conspiracy the story you know whatever conspiracy he's obviously he's obviously gonna think truth which is all good but um i i mean you know is it so out there to believe that he is some prophet when we believe jesus was a prophet of god I mean, there was a time where believing that was acceptable. And we also, you know, Christians also believe that Jesus will come back. But when someone right. says they're Jesus and they're back, they're like, you're crazy. Bye-bye. Like, Bye-bye. You, but you believe that a, a burning bush talked to Moses? Like, you believe that? But you don't believe that the guy with the sign on the side of the road just preaching the word of God maybe a prophet i I don't know it's like what's more outlandish that the world flooded for 40 days and or not 40 days and 40 nights but how you know whatever the there was a flood and someone built a boat and put two of each animal on it or that this guy who's spinning talk of love on the side of the road is crazy like what's what's more outlandish i don't know anyways i i just i I think everybody should just be good and love each other. And that's it. I don't know how I feel as far as uh, a deity. Anyways, that's a, t- a, that's deity. a whole, that's a subject a deity. That we'll have to, I mean, we're just going to have to take on religion as a whole and the biggest religion ah, piece by piece by piece. I think yeah. it's a hard one. It's a hard one. I'm a science-minded person, so any religion is really hard for me to swallow, but, I mean, I don't know where we got, I mean, I guess we were talking about moral compasses as far as skin and people. Science is the study of, like, magic. Well, that's, I was going to. And And the things that are magical are spiritual. Well, I heard a quote that said, Magic is just science we haven't discovered yet. Because, I don't know. It's true. And and we can, our human brain can find little math equations to figure shit out or whatever. But it still doesn't take away the fact that it's fucking magic. Fair enough. I mean, care, like, with like sacred sacred geometry and shit like that like you can break it down and there's a mathematical equation to find 
the point of all creation, but mm-hmm. it, it, if you get down to it's still just amazing. I don't know. Well, I mean, everything I at one point couldn't be explained. And once the explanation was found for why something occurs this way, it was then science. It was a scientific fact. It's just a matter of breaking down that magic to figure out why it works the way it does. So, I mean, I love, I love talking about this stuff, but we've kind of, we've veered yeah, way we've off. Yeah, we kind of strayed. Um, okay, last thing then. Would you be made into a book? Hell yes. Absolutely. And I would, I mean, you can donate your tattoos and you can have your tattoos removed and then preserved. And I've thought about that. But again, that's really up to, you know, my daughter or, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to just go make me a book just for the sake of making me a book. Like, if you want to use my skin and keep it, cool. I'm okay with that. But you decide that. You know, if you want it to just go to waste, cool. I've put a lot of money and time into my skin. So you're welcome to it. I, I mean, and pain. Oh my gosh, the pain. The pain. But yeah, like if, if she wants to make me into a book when I'm dead, cool. But I, you know, I, as far as the rest of my body, I want to be cremated. I don't want, I don't like the idea of my body rotting. Like I just can't handle that. Really? I don't, I don't, and I know they've got, you know, a lot more, um, environmentally friendly ways. I don't really give a shit what happens, but the thought of my body, like, burning. I don't want chemicals. (laughs) Well, I don't want chemicals. I don't want to be, Ah. yeah, I don't want to be pumped full of chemicals and then put into the ground. I just can't. Mm -mm. No, I know. Can't you just put my body into the ground the way it is? Yeah, they can. You, and that's a huge thing. Not being embalmed is kind of a, a new revolution in uh, post-life stuff. Anyhow. Yeah, you can absolutely. Anywho. You can be put into a biodegradable box without being um, embalmed. And you'll. I dig it. They say that you can be completely dirt in like two or three years. And that's pretty cool to me. But I don't want worms in my eyes. So please cremate me. Oh, see, Cameron just said she'll cremate me. Will you make me a book? Oh, you're so sweet, baby. You don't want a book with my sleeve on it? I mean, I get it. It's weird. But I mean, no, if you love if if you loved me, you would tan me. Oh my God. Don't even tell a kid that. <laughs> don't even tell a kid that. Why, my kid and I have been talking about, he's like, if you died and were a ghost, you would, ha- you would still come hang out with me. I'm like, absolutely. Can we, can we not talk? about this? <laughs> I don't know how to dive into this discussion with you. Last night, Cameron was like spitting facts right and left, but they were the most random facts. I can't even remember the stuff that she said, but I was like, this kid's a goddamn genius. It's fucking YouTube, man. Well, she said it was TikTok. She learns every... I, I don't yeah. remember... I don't remember facts from my teacher, but... I, and she was spitting, like, science facts. It was like, did you know, Dad, that blah, 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 blah? And I'd be listening in. I'm like, where the hell did she come up with this? Right. <laughs> and she just kept doing it. I'm like... That kid's a genius. That was the best laugh I've ever heard. 
Aunt Lane loves your little laugh. <laughs> I know, I'm pretty perfect. <laughs> Except for that snaggle tooth sticking straight out of her head. We need to get that tooth pulled. Oh. All right, guys. We just All hit right. the 60 minute mark. So thanks that was... for joining us today. And y'all, it makes me so happy that I'm hearing, and it's not a lot. I mean, clearly we don't have a huge following, but there are Hell people no, we who suck. <laughs> who, there are people who listen to us religiously, and I think it's thank you, awesome. I do too. Absolutely, and reach out to us. I love that people are joining our social medias that are not friends or relatives that's awesome yeah that is great yeah they're just people who are finding us and that's cool as shit i appreciate it um please send in all of your ideas i love it Any, anything yeah because i get kind of i get into a funk where i'm like oh it's like thursday and i still haven't decided what i'm gonna write about so i get kind of butted up to the last minute and then I'm not as well versed in the subject so if you give me ideas I can put time into researching them instead of just kind of scrambling last minute to make sure I get it all together and that's completely my fault it's just like there's so many things you can hit on and talk about and it gets overwhelming uh, history is insanely wicked so there's just a lot of stuff to talk about. And I apologize that my dog is barking in the background. She really wants to come inside the bedroom. Can I, Anyways. Can I let her in? No. We love y'all. And thanks for listening. And we will be back next week. Whoop. Bye. Bye.